Hello and welcome to Mirror Talk Podcast. Your moment of greatness starts now. For people out there, like my friends, for example, that have you know, gone through this kind of um, trauma, for example, how do you expect us to, or what's the best way to address all these trauma symptoms and behaviors that you know, result from being racially imbu- abused or you know, um, insulted? I mean, I think that one of the biggest things is seeking mental health services, right? So being able to have someone to be able to process this with and talk to. Um, Psychology has a really big emphasis on diversity and being able to, um, there's a lot of literature on it. It's courses that we've taken as psychologists and therapists to be able to prepare us for this role. Mm. And so it's it's really an honor and privilege to be a therapist, to um, be in a room with someone that's experiencing pain and being able to be the person to hold that pain and help them process it. And so I think that being able to seek services, if that's something that's needed, is so important. Um, yeah, I'll add too. I mean, it's, it's, I think, especially challenging for communities of color. You know, I'm, I'm painting with a very broad brush here. So I, I, I say this, you know, kind of couched in that. But oftentimes communities of color um, still experience kind of higher rates of stigma and, and shame and hesitancy to embrace mental health yeah. treatment. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's understandable. And it's not to say like, okay, but just go seek it anyways. I think what's an important shift for us to recognize is one family is a, you know, tremendous source of resiliency and and coping and where one feels comfortable to embrace that. Um, When I worked in residential treatment where, you know, somebody would actually have to live in a treatment center, parents would always look at us and say, you know, I don't know if I'm making the right decision. I think they're going to be mad at me and so on. Mm -hmm. And we would always say, you know, you can only be someone's treatment for so long as a family, right? And you'll have to kind of identify what that line is. And I think families offer a lot. And also there's kind of a line that that needs to be looked at. I think once it's starting to impact your day-to-day life, especially that's, you know, you're kind of right at that point where uh, it's, it's a good time to check in on that. I think additionally, you know, mental health, just like physical health exists on a spectrum, right? It's not like you get fit one day and then all of a sudden you're good to go. You don't have to work out. You don't have to eat healthy again. You don't have to get good <laughs> sleep. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it, it always kind of is a shifting target, especially with our mental health. And so I say that because there isn't this like demarcation line between good mental health and then being mentally ill. It's, mm. there's a, there's a continuum there. And I think we've, we've identified, we've kind of artificially put out there this wedge between, you know, well, I'm not mentally ill. It's like, no, you, maybe you don't qualify specifically for a diagnosis, but mm. it's a spectrum. It's not just a switch that turns on and off. And we don't have these two sets of our population of the mentally ill and the mentally healthy. Mm. And so I think when we can make it more natural uh, and approach it more kind of uh, organically in that way of, you know, anybody can kind of move in and out and it's to varying degrees. I think it encourages a more a greater acceptance of mental health treatment and, and utilization of it. The other thing is, you know, therapy can be very time limited or brief, you know, mm-hmm. or um, there are also other avenues into it, you know, finding, um, I think, Shelley, you mentioned the Iranian cultural group, for example. Yeah, cultural college. organizations are huge. Um, religious organizations are mm-hmm. really big. So being, so after experiencing discrimination and uh, someone makes you feel like the out group or the mm-hmm. other, people have found um, comfort in seeking others like them um, that look like them, share their same culture, whether it's in a group or they go to see a cultural show or they go to a, a cultural movie, whatever it is to be able to reinstill mm-hmm. that for them um, where they do feel like they belong in some sort of group mm-hmm. is really um, important for their mental health. Yeah. You know, something, something else I would mention is, you know, when it comes to trauma, trauma is really, 
in the brain is held on to as an event of, you know, if we think about it from an evolutionary perspective, where we have this drive to survive, you know, a, a traumatic event gets held onto in the brain because it was either so overwhelming that the brain doesn't quite know how to digest what just happened or because, you know, it was so overwhelming and it needs to kind of keep itself ready again because it wasn't expecting that and is always sort of on guard. Mm -hmm. And really what this comes down to is that your sense of control over your sense of safety is sort of shaken. It's on uh, shake your ground or even demolished completely. And so recognizing that one, you know, something happened to you, but that you're not bad or that you're not damaged in some way. And that's mm -hmm. that shame and stigma is what prevents people from getting help. It's, it's similar when we talk about like, you know, um, you know, what it's recognizing what is in your control and what isn't and recognizing this happened to you, you didn't choose for it to happen. Mm -hmm. um, what also is in your control in a way to start to rebuild that sense of control and safety for yourself is you know, uh, finding expressions of it, even if it's an artistic one, even if it's writing, you know, writing down what happened and finding ways to externalize it so that you can view it at a distance, you know, weighing the evidence of, you know, am I safe now? How can I keep myself safe now? Um, what are my resources to keep myself safe going forward? Um, and recognizing, you know, when I don't have control, then how do I manage that? Yes, yes. And I would love to pick up from what you said earlier that, you know, you said mental health, being mentally healthy and mentally ill um, is not like an on and off switch. Like there's a fine grade in between that. I know the, the media, what we watch on in, in TV or in films nowadays is always like, oh, it's either you are mentally, mentally healthy or you are ill or mentally ill. And this is why I would also appreciate, you know, I appreciate, you know, what you do in the, you know, film and um, television production, you like, you call some consultancy, mm -hmm. including for, uh, I think for Disney and for Freeform also, you do, mm -hmm. to ensure that, to ensure that a mental health is, you know, portrayed responsibly. So what, what are some, what are some, what are some misconceptions about mental health and how is it meant to be, you know, portrayed in films and in TV, in television so that, you know, we could learn from them properly? Oh man, yeah, it's, it's been great. Uh, it's been a wonderful opportunity that this organization exists for us to be able to consult on, on television and film programs. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, not that long ago, only several years ago, we saw that, you know, mentally ill, almost treated like that film one flew over a cuckoo's nest, right? Or it was like the person that was, you know, uh, disheveled or, or just, you know, it was kind of always portrayed as sort of the extreme. And it's not to say that that doesn't exist in the world. It certainly does, but that's not the preponderance of those who have mental health uh, challenges. Um, you know, we are seeing a more accurate portrayal where somebody will just more openly express, you know, hey, I have depression or I take this medication or, you know, I've got panic disorders. We're seeing a lot more of that, which is really great. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm by no means going to complain about that explicit portrayal of it because I think that's how we have to start to break through. It's kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum so that we can find the middle. Um, my hope is, you know, we kind of get away from the need to really highlight that as a component of a, of a film or of a character, mm. you know, and that it's just kind of like right in the middle. It's just one aspect, one facet of somebody's, you know, life. And it's not the only thing we've, we've made a shift, for example, for saying, you know, the, uh, the schizophrenic to saying the person with schizophrenia or diagnosed. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that way it's just not, that's not the only thing, right? It's, there's so many other things. Um, you are not just your disorder, right? It's, it's just, um, we are working towards destigmatizing, I think, as a society. Um, and I think that there's shows like This Is Us or Never Have I Ever or, 
um, you know, that we, you see that the person just goes to a therapist and talks about their feelings or talks yeah. about their background or talks about their racial identity. And yeah. so I think there's so much more of like, finally, there's movies and shows demonstrating that you can just, you can talk to a therapist about any number of problems. It does not have to be the extreme. Mm-hmm. And our role in terms of being able to be consultants is great because we get to see the script in advance, um, read the script, be able, sometimes they'll send us the clip after they filmed it and we're giving feedback along the way. So most recently we had a show that we did and we provided feedback about how the therapist was asking certain questions. Mm. And we thought, okay, the therapist sounds like it's a great question, but I think if we phrase it another way, that would be more, um, more sensitive to what's going on for the patient. And mm. so, and the script was there or they actually made the changes to it. So I love oh, that good. Hollywood is responding to yeah. it and really yeah. taking in our, um, in our input. And then they were like, Oh, here's some more. And so the more <laughs> that we do it, the more that they give us and it's yeah. exciting. And so um, we're really enjoying being able to make sure that mental health is portrayed accurately. Um, because I think that's not just our responsibility as therapists is to be able to get that message out there. Yeah, to add to that too, the the thing I'm really grateful for is that mental health is is portrayed less and less as kind of in that Hollywood fairy tale way of you know this person is depressed and then they go to one therapy session and snap their fingers and everything is better. That they're showing <laughs> yeah. it more realistically, yeah. um, and 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 in that vein that they're portraying mental health with uh, uh, in the light of that there's also hope and the ability for progress. Mm. It's not like a death sentence, for example. Yes, I, that, that, that's very awesome because, you know, sometimes when you watch movies and you watch out you know, some therapy session, like never ever will I ever enter into a therapist's office because I don't want to be asked questions like this in this form, in this way. And boy, it's, it's awesome that you, you, you know, you have your influence on this movie so that by the time people like us are watching movies next time, like, yeah, it's actually not bad to speak with a therapist. Mm-hmm. This could be very good. This could be very um, helpful for my, for my health, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. So from, from your expertise, like as a marriage and family therapist, um, how can people reduce psychological distress and also promote and improve overall functioning and well-being of each member of the family, especially for mixed family or for colored family in a you know, Caucasian society? Uh, that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I think just uh, to kind of fit your question broadly for a moment, it's, it's about you know, breaking away from seeing these things as individual categories, right? Your physical health, your mental health, your financial health, your you know, occupational health, they're all connected, right? Mm-hmm. And when we can see that any one thing that we do, how it can sort of feed the other things or any one thing we don't do, how it can take away is, is really important, right? If we can emphasize with children and, and in relationships early on, sort of just an honest look of it, you know, am what I about, am, is what I'm about to do going to nourish or deplete me? and think of it in that way. And how does that kind of set me up for the rest of my day or for the rest of what I want to do? You know, when we can foster an acceptance of what is, then we can approach things honestly and make decisions that are in our best decision. So for example, you know, I'll use physical health for a moment, right? If you find yourself, you know, reaching for that extra cookie or that extra, you know, scoop of ice cream, I think most people already have the answers in them, you know, around, uh, you know, what's good for them and what isn't. And so if we can help somebody actually learn to pause, this comes from my work in mindfulness, to, to mm-hmm. pause and identify, okay, wait, I'm kind of doing this a little impulsively. And with reducing that shame around like, well, you know, you're wrong for doing this, stop doing it, stop being such a fatty and whatever that, you know, those horrible 
things that we tell ourselves that we would never tell another human being, right? Mm-hmm. You would never yes. tell your partner that or a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe guys, we rib each other a little bit more tough like that. But, you know, to say, okay, so what is this about? Or, you know, do I really want this right now? Or am I just uh, going for it impulsively? Or what, how do I best take care of myself in this moment? So we can create that pause, then we can ask ourselves those questions. Mm-hmm. And then I really believe that the answer is already in us and will naturally just start to surface of like, you know, maybe I'm just a little bit tired and this is kind of how I'm trying to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. But you know what, maybe instead, I just need to take a rest and, and not nourish myself with more ice cream. When it comes to mental health, it's like, you know, a lot of us can be attached to our work and it's recognizing, you know, what am I about to do or what am I about to step into? And am I doing too many things at once? You know, mm-hmm. when we feel ourselves getting uh, stressed, like not to lean in further, but instead to kind of lean out and take care of ourselves. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a broad take of mental health in general. I would hope families would take away from this. Um, with the rest of families of color, I don't know, Sheila, if you want to take that question on. I think that we did, I think we did mention a little bit earlier of like ways to be able to navigate racial identity within families of color. I think yes. that, um, I, I, unfortunately, the burden is so much more on families of color to have to prepare their child and to mm. talk with them. I just, I'm reflecting on just what you had said earlier, of like every time you step out the door, it's like you have to get ready for what might happen and you have to mm-hmm. mentally prepare yourself for the response that you're going to have to give, which has, um, you feel like it has to be a positive one or else yes. things could go really differently, right? As a parent, we are constantly anticipating these different scenarios that could happen to our child as they leave the home or go to school or wherever they're going. And so I think that um, it's, so what parents can do is have these conversations early and often and have that preparation talk with them while also reminding them of the wonderful things that they are and um, beyond just the racial identity, but all the other par- characteristics that they might hold, they might be really good at math or they might be really great artists or whatever the case might be. And so that's why with even going back to the book with Zahra, she loves being the color brown. She loves her skin tone. She's also an artist. She loves being an artist. And I think yeah. that having those strengths together um, really makes this character someone that's really relatable to children. So um, I think with communities of color that are navigating discrimination and racism, racial trauma, uh, yeah. definitely being able to feel validated that other communities are not having to do this and what they're doing is very, um, is challenging. Yes, yes. So like, if, if I want to raise a child like, like Zara, Zara um, can you give me like some, some tips from your experience so far, some tips and some ways to have a very happy and successful family that could accommodate Zara in, in my life or in our life as a family? Yeah. So the first thing I said, you know, earlier with, you know, kind of checking in with yourself, you know, we, there's uh, Dan Siegel's work. He's a, he's a, he's a physician, right? Uh, a psychologist. Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. You know, he has a book called Parenting from the Inside Out and mm-hmm. how... Really great book. Yeah. When you when you can really be aware of what you're bringing to the table or the interaction with the child, it creates a very fertile bed for, you know, uh, healthy communication, healthy relationships. And going back to what I said just a moment ago, an honest acceptance of what's really happening right now. Um, you know, uh, one of my favorite things that I talk about in, in couples therapy, for example, is really paying attention to the language that we use also staying away from absolutes like you always do this you never do that right and and finding that gray area in language of like you know this is happening right now but i've also recognized when you've done this um so getting away from the all or nothing thinking also replacing the word but with and 
And that again, creates more of a texture and conversation. These are little adjustments, but kids who, when they're not so good at abstract thinking or can be a little bit more concrete, like Sheila mentioned earlier, you know, benefit from hearing that, you know, yes, the world can be unfair and acknowledging that. And instead of saying, but do the best that you can and so on and so forth, yes, the world is unfair and we as a family celebrate ourselves and we do this, this and that. And, and that way it, it allows two things to be true at the same time, instead of it being a binary thing of one is true and the other isn't. Um, we kind of say that everything before the but in a sentence kind of just gets erased by whatever follows it. Yeah. So true. I think language is incredibly important and recognizing the energy and the tone that we bring ourselves and parents need to acknowledge the stress and, and anxiety and trauma and, and challenges yeah. that they, they have as well. And, and, you know, we say in families or in couples, it's like, you have to bring your best version of you to the relationship too. I can't just be on the other person that needs to change and grow and listen and so on. Yes. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, that's really awesome. So before, before we wrap it up, yeah, I would love to like, get some also more insights from you, like personal advice from you. Like, you know, you're a very happy married couple and you live in this sunny Southern um, California. <laughs> you enjoy spending weekends, you know, perfecting the recipe for chocolate chip cookies and finding oh God, yeah. like. <laughs> oh, I, I read this you and I was your like, research. Yeah. Yeah, I, love it. I was so impressed by it. When, when I read this, I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. This is so, yeah, dreamy, like <laughs> wonderful. So <laughs> it's so sweet. Exactly. So, so from, from your, from your years of, from your years of marriage together, how do you spice up your relationship and how do you cultivate, you know, a happy and prosperous life together? We just have a lot. And I think, well, I was going to say we have a lot in common, but then I was like, well, no, we have a lot of interests, different interests too. And I think that that's the beauty of it. We can, mm -hmm. we can come together on certain things that we're very passionate about, but then we also allow space for the other person to be able to experience their individual hobbies and interests. So we are um, able to navigate that, I believe, in a healthy way. I think that we have a lot of fun together. So we go on adventures, even like if we did something um, small, like we like to pick different cities in uh, Southern California and we pretend that we're tourists and we go, um, we go to different cities and we just yeah. like to check it out and go to different restaurants that way. I don't know, there's yeah. so many different ways that yeah. I, think, I, mean, I think ultimately one of the biggest things is communication, right? Mm -hmm. So I think how we are able to communicate um, and I think with couples, it takes a long time to understand another person's communication style, right? So you are yeah. literally living with, you know, you start living with someone and now, you know, you grew up with your family and now you're living with somebody else and mm. now you're learning their communication style and it's learning to not be reactive to taking a beat, to being able to um, start thinking, okay, if I'm reactive to everything, like, you know, when my mom would say, go clean your room, I'd be like, I don't want to, or whatever. You can't really do that in a romantic relationship, right? You have <laughs> yeah. to, you have to be like, okay, well, I wonder if uh, I could clean the room later. Um, and then we can, you know, go out to eat or something like that. Right. So mm -hmm. you're, you're rephrasing things. You're taking that beat. You're, you're being mindful in the work that you're doing together because our biggest thing that we've always said is that we are, we are um, a married couple, but we're also teammates. Mm -hmm. We're working on the same team. So yeah. everything that we're working towards in terms of goals and, um, and the world that we're building together, the lives that we're building together, if I have to remember that he's on my team. So when I'm upset with how do you work as a teammate, right? You have mm -hmm. to have a communication with them. You have yes. to get, um, be in talk with them. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Some of my, 
favorite uh, learnings in, in therapy and marriage and family therapy comes from Sue Johnson, who has this whole uh, modality called uh, emotion focused therapy. And really without getting really into the weeds on it, the, the principle, so the, the essential principle is so easy. It's, it's really just listening first as a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously I have the, the magical skill, if you will, I'm kidding, but the, the skill of being <laughs> able to, and we both do understanding, you know, kind of what's happening beneath the surface with each other of like, you know, if I kind of snap, for example, and because yes, we have, as you said, we have a very blessed to have a very loving and happy relationship, but it's by no means perfect. And, and I want to be authentic about that, right? We, you continue to grow and build together as life changes and, and you move through life together. Um, but it's, it's that idea of like listening first. And while I, you know, we can sort of recognize what's happening with other under the surface, it's then asking questions, right? And, and checking our own assumptions of what's happening because, you know, we bring with us to a marriage or to a relationship, all the stuff from our past, all the relationships and, you know, kind of going back to that survival lens, it's like, mm-hmm. we try to predict and control what's happening in our world. So if, you know, Sheila, for example, you know, comes home a little bit in a huff, for example, from work, I might initially assume, oh, you know, she's mad at me, right? Mm-hmm. Because of my own background, for example. But if I pause and I listen and I ask questions, hey, what's going on for you? You seem like, you know, things might be a little bit rough at the moment then I can learn and then she can teach me what's happening for her. And then I can then make a more authentic in the moment uh, assessment and and decision from there, ask her what she needs from me, even if it is just to maybe have a little bit of space, not to put you on the spot. That's not an actual (laughs) example from us, but um, (laughs) you know, so it's really just listening and asking questions and being, you know, being inquisitive to what's really happening. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for the advice. I will, I'll make use of that. <laughs> yes. so, you're so, already very skilled at it. I know, as you're great with it, Toby. I think you're fine. <laughs> Thank you so much. So um, regarding the book that's coming on the 14th of September, 2021, The Proudest Color, are there other things you love to talk about, um, like you love to share with the audience, with the listeners, um, in anticipation of the book or yeah um well we're really excited for it to come out um and yeah. that i think that they will really enjoy it and um I, i'm just yeah i mean we're we're extremely obsessive people when it came to this process um you know we we really looked at like how do we make uh, every component of this book you know meaningful mm-hmm. i mean every word mm-hmm. that we chose you know impactful and and so it was really brought to very uh important space i think the one thing that i'm really excited about is you know, we, we, we wanted to leave the book, it, it, the end of the book with an opportunity for ongoing growth and learning. So it wasn't just mm-hmm. kind of like cover to cover. Um, so we've included in the end pages, um, individuals who some might recognize um, from the from communities of color um, and others who are probably lesser known and the ideas for parents to engage their kids to say, who is this person? Let me go learn about this other person from, a, uh, from my background or from another cultural background who shares my skin tone. And the idea is then creating that curiosity in not just one one's own culture, skin tone, but in others too, right? If we as a world can, and I'm going to be very idealistic here, but I think as we as a world can show more interest in each other, um, whether it's culture, you know, uh, ethnicity, race, or just individually, you know, like you're asking us all these questions now, mm-hmm. I think there's just a greater um, acceptance and understanding and appreciation yeah. Yeah, for each other, yeah. So that's like not just a book for fun, but a book that is filled with, you know, a lot of um, wonderful and important information that we could make use of. Yes. 
Yes, yeah. based in science. Yeah. Well, yeah, based in science. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what's the best way to, to work and connect with you for people out there who would love to connect with you and work with yeah, you? Yeah, definitely. We have um, the Proudest Color uh, website, so they could go to that um, our website. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Sheila's Bookshelf. So that is where I have um, a list of uh, books that have mental health themes um, to be able to promote children's books that promote emotion identification, emotion regulation, and different things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a Twitter at, um, at Dr. Sheila Mobile. What about you, Jeff? Do you have? Um, no, I, I, I'm not. I mean, nothing really out there in terms of social media. Sheila's done a great <laughs> job with it. So he, he's in charge of the Proudest Color website. So yeah, so that's the okay. proudestcolor.com. Yeah. Yes. So I'll place all of this information in the show notes for this episode. So anyone wants to connect with Sheila, anyone wants to connect with um, Jeff, or just read about the book and order the book on the, from the 14th of September can do that or even pre-order already from now thank you so much thank you thank you you. wow you made it to the very end of this episode thank you so much for listening i'm grateful for your time your love and your contributions subscribe like review and share this podcast god bless you bye